Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Hebrews 11, 17-31. We continue today in the Hall of Faith. Uh, This passage in Hebrews 11 that is, I guess you could say, somewhat of a biblical hall of fame, uh, recounting all of these characters throughout the Bible who showed faith. Now, if you think about going to uh, a hall of fame for a sport here in America, let's just say, for instance, you go to the baseball hall of fame, you're going to look at those people, I would argue, You should look at those people differently uh, than you would look at the people here in Hebrews 11. And obviously, there's a variety of reasons, very different things that they're being commended for. One, baseball, the other, faith. But think about this reason. You go to Cooperstown and you look at these plaques describing the careers of these great baseball players, and you look at Babe Ruth, and you look at Hank Aaron, and you tell yourself, I'm never going to hit 700 home runs in the major leagues. It's just never going to happen. And for most of us, probably every single one of us, you're right. First and foremost, because it's too late in your life to do that. But because you could say, even if I had devoted my life to baseball, from as early as I could remember, there's still no way I'm hitting seven home, 700 home runs. Or you look at a guy like Willie Mays hitting 660 home runs and stealing over 330 bases. I, you're just saying, I can't do that. Because you look at that and you're saying, Willie Mays has got something that I don't have. I, and I, I'm never going to have it. And that's what I'm saying should be different between how you would view people, for instance, in the Baseball Hall of Fame, and how you should view the people in Hebrews 11. Because when you look at these people, you shouldn't think, well, what they've got, I don't have it, and I'm never going to have it. Because what we're talking about here is not skill, it's not athleticism, we're talking about faith. And ultimately, What is special about the people listed in Hebrews 11 is not just who they were or what skill they had. It was their faith. And faith is only as good as its object. And the things that these people were putting their faith in, guess what? You've got those same things. You, You don't have the same things as Willie Mays, but you do in many ways have the same things as Abraham, as Moses. And as we'll see in our reading in the end of the chapter tomorrow, in some ways, what you've got is even better than what they had. So let's let's look at this. And going through Hebrews 11, we've broken it up into three days, but it's still hard when entire series of sermons are preached. Even I've preached a series of sermons through Hebrews 11. So it's, it's tough to narrow it down as to what to comment on. But today I want to highlight three things. I want to highlight three things that you can say, I've got that just as much as Abraham did or as Moses did. I've got that. So there's there's nothing saying, well, pff, I'm never going to be Abraham and I'm never going to be Moses. And sure, those guys were used in unique ways that obviously you will not 
uh, copy exactly what they did, but you have the same things that they have. And the first thing I want us to think about is the promises of God. You have the promises of God. And that's been key. That that was key in the last reading, and that's key in our reading today. We pick it up today in verse 17, where it talks about Abraham offering up Isaac. Now, that's a very well-known story. Going back to Genesis, God tells Abraham, offer your son Isaac. Abraham goes to do it. And as he has raised the knife to slaughter his son, God stops him. And God reveals this was a test, Abraham, and you have passed the test. Now I know, God says, you will do anything because you have not withheld your only son from me. And especially any parent asks the question, how could Abraham do that? How could he do that? Well, Hebrews 11 actually gives us the answer to the question. It says that Abraham, in in verse 19, it says, He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So, if you're wondering, what is going through Abraham's mind as he's walking up the mountain with his son? What is going on through going through Abraham's mind as he straps his son down to the altar? What in the world is going through Abraham's mind as he raises that knife? This tells you he thought that God could and even would raise Isaac from the dead. Now, where in the world would a thought like that come from? Well, notice what is highlighted back in verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said. So now it gives a specific promise, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Abraham wasn't some special, uh, you know, spiritual superhero. He was a man who had faith in the promises of God. And he said, God promised that it is through Isaac that my offspring will be named. God is not going to break that promise. So even if I kill Isaac, then God must be planning to raise him from the dead because God said it's through Isaac and God will not lie. Abraham's obedience was motivated by his faith in the promises of God. And while you may not have a specific promise about your firstborn son, you have incredible promises of God. And that's one of the reasons why you should read the Bible so that you can understand what God has promised you. That's even one of the reasons why I would encourage you to read through the Bible every year. So every year you can be reminded of the promises of God. You can see the promises of God in their biblical context, which will make them more precious, not less precious. And you can be reminded of the things God has promised you. God has promised you. I will never leave you or forsake you. A promise we'll get to shortly here in Hebrews 13. God has promised you that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God has promised, another promise we'll see here soon, to give wisdom to those who ask. 
of it. There are so many promises. And just think of the promises of salvation. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Think of the promises of eternity and the future, the living hope that we have in heaven. We have the promises of God. Are you living your life on faith in those promises? Because you have promises. Abraham had promises, but so do you. Are you living by faith in those promises? Another thing we see that we can put our faith in is the reward of God, the reward of God. Uh, You look at Moses and it says in verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. He was looking to the reward. Are you looking to the reward? And is the reward of, uh, and we see this throughout the New Testament, God promises to reward his people who are faithful. And we've seen that recently in the apostle Paul. Remember how he closes out second Timothy speaking even of the crown of righteousness, which God will award to him on that day, and not only to him, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And if you think of other things Paul wrote, he has this concern about being disqualified, of of losing that reward by letting selfishness or sin uh, creep into his life. The reward promised by Christ should motivate you to even abstain from sin. What God has promised you, and here specifically, I know there's some overlap between the promises of God and the reward of God, but that promise of reward should motivate you to righteousness. And you have these promises too. And you should be looking to these rewards just like Moses did. And that should motivate you to say no to the fleeting pleasures of sin. And finally, you also can look to the same God and really the authority of God. Uh, The next verse, again, talking about Moses, by faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So there we see he's enduring uh, as seeing him who is invisible. And so he's not afraid of this earthly king. That's a way you can live too. You should not ultimately fear anyone on earth because you are seeing the one who is invisible. And that one who is invisible is the king of kings. You're not afraid of earthly powers because you know the one who is Lord of all. So do you see those things? The promises of God, the reward of God, the authority of God. You can't look at Abraham and Moses and say, well, they had those things and I don't. No, you've got those things. And as we'll see tomorrow, in some ways, you've got those things even better. And now that you know about Christ and you are a part of this new covenant. So you need to look to these things. If we were extending the hall of faith to today, uh, one person that would probably be in it is a man named Hudson Taylor who was an incredible uh, missionary to China, especially inland of China, uh, and a great example of faith. 
And he said this at one time when he was speaking, he said, want of trust or trust really is a good synonym for faith. Want of trust or faith is at the root of almost all our sins and weaknesses. And how shall we escape it? But by looking to him and observing his faithfulness. All right. We need to be faithful people. And in that same message, Hudson Taylor said something else. He said, all God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on his being with them. You hear that? And see the difference there and how we should view these heroes of the faith? It's not like you're just looking at Willie Mays and saying, man, he just had this God-given talent that I could never, ever replicate. When you look at these men in the Bible and even throughout church history, you say these were weak men, but they counted on a strong God. They put their faith in a mighty God and in his promises and in his reward and in his authority. And so that's what I want you to be thinking about, to be looking to, and ultimately putting your faith in today. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.